0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Prime Time. The Elite is on the offense. Steve Bannon on War Room called it, The Empire Strikes Back. People rose up, the populist movement brought an outsider to the White House in 2016, and that's probably when the elite started planning their counteroffensive. I guess, really, no, probably about it. That's exactly when it happened, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. But now, the elite have possession of the ball, and they're moving it down the field. And to use more sports analogies, the elite. They don't just have the ball right now. They also have control of the rule book. And I'm just going to add the umpires. Uh, We can see this in play right now with the GameStop story. That saga is still in the headlines today. And I've watched some of the coverage of it on other networks. They really don't do a good job of explaining what's happening to the lay folks out there. So to boil it all down, the Wall Street guys have been making a lot of money for a long time by betting that some companies will be unsuccessful. But now, some normal people, like you and me, who have little apps on their little smartphones to buy and sell their stock, have figured out how the Wall Street game works. And a lot of regular folks out there have made a lot of money. And the Wall Street Titans have actually lost a lot of money. And in this case, they bet against the company called GameStop. But all of this has angered the elite, so they changed the rules because that's what they do when the elite get mad and you start making money. Suddenly, we normal people could no longer buy certain stocks. Only the big Wall Street traders were able to do it. The Daily Mail reports that the stock price of GameStop surged another 113% after the smartphone trading app Robinhood reopened the trading app again for the normal people who use Robinhood. And I told you last night I do not advocating, certainly not a sponsor in any way of this show. Just so happens that that's the app I use. And even though this is one of the top stories in the world right now, here was the reaction from the
2: White House. Do you anticipate President Biden to address the GameStop
3: controversy when he meets with his economic team a little bit later this morning? No. Uh, Do I anticipate him addressing it publicly, you mean? No, just talking about it with his economic team. Well, uh, the focus of the meeting is about uh, the recovery plan, about the status of the economic recovery, about obviously the data that we saw yesterday. I'm sure they'll cover a range of topics during that meeting, but that's not the focus. I know it's a big story, but doesn't, you know, obviously, the, our our focus and our big story is getting the American people back to work.
1: Can I translate that for you? We don't really care about you, little people. It's just not that big of a deal to us. It's not, it's not just that the Wall Street elite are all working together. You might call it colluding. Let's see, where have I heard that word before? Uh, but it's a crackdown on the little guy again. We shouldn't really be surprised at this reaction from the white house now should we the dc elite and wall street elite are all in bed together biden's new treasury secretary janet yellen made eight hundred thousand dollars giving speeches to a certain wall street hedge fund firm called citadel and you can predict this citadel happens to be the company that bailed out melvin capital this week after they lost millions of dollars short selling you guessed it GameStop. This is all so predictable at a certain point, isn't it? So it's all big, one big incestuous circle, and it's all so predictable to those of us watching. Wall Street, Washington, D.C., and don't forget the media. They played a big part in this, too, and we are going to get to all of it and break it down in terms that are easy to understand. But first, let's go to our hosts and correspondents around America here at RAV TV. Let's start in Washington, D.C. with the host of Just the News AM, Carrie
4: Sheffield. Carrie, go ahead. Hey there, Dr. Dean. I want to let you know the latest on the impeachment and the conviction trial and a blow that was set to this movement to try to ban President Trump from running office as it relates to impeachment because the charge of incitement, according to experts I spoke with, is growing weaker by the day. The case was made weaker because of three men who were charged this week by federal prosecutors. They were charged with coordinating and communicating about the attack way back in November. So when we're talking about the question of incitement and whether the crowd, the mob, did this in direct response to incitement from former President Trump, the evidence that I spoke with, according to the experts here, says no. I spoke with Kevin Brock. He's the former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI. I also spoke with Alan Dershowitz, a former law professor at Harvard University. They said the same thing, that former president's speech was protected. And the argument by Democrats using the 14th Amendment, according to their reading of it, would not be applicable in this case, because the 14th Amendment says that if someone provokes an insurrection, that they would be barred from running for office. And according to these experts, this question of whether Trump actually incited and committed an insurrection, the evidence is not there. And so from a legal standpoint, the FBI, according to the FBI expert I spoke with, would not be able to prosecute this incitement charge. So it really becomes at this point a political argument, just like it was with Brett Kavanaugh. With Brett Kavanaugh, there was no legal evidence to charge him with sexual assault, so it became a political argument. And that is what the experts told me said, this is what's happening. All right, back to you, Dr. Gina.
1: You know, Carrie, that really doesn't go along with what all of the uh, Locust media were hoping, I don't think. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for that report. Now let's go on out to Jessica. She's in our Denver headquarters. Jessica, go ahead.
2: Dr. Gina, this week the San Francisco School of Education Board decided that they will be removing names like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and California Senator Dianne Feinstein's names from 44 of their schools. In a 6-1 to one vote Tuesday night, the board made the call to remove the names based on them having direct or broad ties to slavery, oppression, racism, or what they deem the subjugation of human beings. But the one name that many are questioning is 87-year-old Democrat senator and former mayor of San Francisco, Diane Feinstein, who was picked by the committee due to her replacing a vandalized Confederate flag back when she was mayor in 1984. And it didn't help that since last year, Feinstein has been on the bad side of her party for siding with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham on the contentious confirmation hearings for U.S. Supreme Court Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Since then, Democrats have been pushing hard for Feinstein to retire. San Francisco Board of Education President Gabriel Lopez says they don't want to cancel or erase history, but rather this is a great opportunity to have conversations about our past and an opportunity to uplift new voices. But many San Francisco parents do not agree. In actuality, they think the board has gone too far. One father of two says it's a joke that is almost like a parody of leftist activism and that the decision was made without much of the community's input, which the San Francisco community is calling a top-down process. And Dr. Gina, even the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, who is a black woman, is saying that the board's timing is bad because right now they should be focusing on their kids' mental health and getting them back into school and not something like renaming 44 of their schools. Back to you.
1: But, Jessica, the cancel culture continues on. Thank you so much for that report. I want to check in now with Nick Ballacy, senior correspondent at Just the News. Nick, what are you working on today at Just the News?
5: Well, one of the recent stories we have up at Just the News that I wrote is about uh, Congressman Tom Reed, who's the co-chair of the House Problem Solvers Caucus. He was talking recently about His rationale for voting against impeachment in the House. Speaking about how he thought a censure resolution was more appropriate, which we all know now at this point uh, didn't come to fruition because the Democrats control the chamber in the House. They went through with impeachment, and now the article has been formally sent to the Senate, so they're moving through that process in the Senate now. But Reid is warning that going through with this Senate trial, could actually further divide the country, which is already divided in many ways. So he's warning that an actual trial will uh, divide the American public and further polarize uh, the country. Now, we have to look right now specifically at this censure resolution in the Senate, though, because all eyes are turning there with this process. We've we've okay. seen Cain and Collins teaming up And behind the scenes, what I'm hearing is what's going on is they're going to put forward some sort of censure resolution. I think the rationale there is that they know the votes aren't there to convict President Trump in a Senate trial, former President Trump now out of office. They're still going through with this trial, but it looks like the votes aren't there. So we're seeing Kane and Collins team up on a potential censure resolution which could uh, include some parts of the 14th Amendment That would bar the president, the former president, from serving in office in the future. Uh, There are some legal opinions that say, look, uh, this is not even a valid effort. We'll see what happens. I mean, this is what they're uh, talking about doing, and we're following that closely at Just the News, this resolution as it moves its way through the process.
1: But, Nick, you know, you have to ask the question, Is this because they don't have the numbers? Is this because they don't want uh, the array of facts laid out that are often laid out in a trial for all of the public to see? Some of those might favor uh, former President Trump. And and might this be something that turns out to backfire on Democrats and uh, more leftist Republicans who really just are, you know, may have a motive uh, other than getting to the bottom of whatever went down in the Capitol, uh, as we're seeing more and more evidence unfold, especially at Just the News, um, that says this was planned long in advance, and that was originally the impetus for this trial to begin with, um, wouldn't it be better than maybe if they just called off the trial altogether and just left it alone and went on about the business of governing in terms of if they were going really concerned about dividing the country?
5: It is possible that it could backfire. I mean, it's it's a potentially uh, conflicting message here with the Democrats in the Senate going forward with this trial, because we hear the theme from the Biden administration, at least in the inaugural address, was unity. And we keep hearing that the country needs healing and unity from the Biden White House. But then at the same right. time, his own party is going through with this a Senate impeachment trial at unprecedented speed of a former president who's already out of office, which is what Reed was alluding to saying, look, I mean, Trump was on his way out, and they waited to deliver this article. They sent the article over uh, after the inauguration. After. Yeah. And so, I mean, they were rushing to saying that President Trump was a national security threat. Then they wait till after the inauguration, it's Monday actually, this Monday, to deliver the article formally and begin the process and now it's shifting to well we want to bar him from serving from office in the future so right their rationale is definitely up for a, a, a criticism they're opening themselves up to all kinds of criticism here
1: yeah i mean he either is or isn't a security threat thank you so much nick we always appreciate your work there at our good partners at just the news and now we're going to head over to amanda head out there on the left coast she is our west coast correspondent amanda the ladies over on The View, have you all fired up today, I hear. Do you want to tell us about it?
3: Yes, Gina, as you know, here in Hollywood, there are a whole lot of characters, but very little actual character, the insufferable host Joy Behar, claims that Republicans who do not vote to convict President Trump in the Senate have blood on their hands. Of course, the conviction she's talking about is the impeachment of President Trump saying that he incited violence and that Trump supporters were... I guess for all intents and pur- intents and purposes, not like Jen Psaki says, intensive purposes, uh, but that Trump supporters have blood on their hands, which is an utterly brainless claim to make. But it's also dangerous, not to mention it's bordering on Charlottesville level hoax. I mean, we know at this point what President Trump said. He said peacefully and patriotically protest, make your voices heard, march to the Capitol, that has absolutely nothing to do with any violence. And fortunately, folks on the left soak this stuff up, like AOC, who yesterday in a tweet said that Ted Cruz tried to have her murdered. Yeah, try to wrap your brain around that. Um, It's utter lunacy, but I digress. So if we're gonna talk about blood on folks' hands, um, this summer, did you call out Democrat politicians like uh, the the woman occupying the vice presidency who paid bailout money for people who took lives during the Black Lives Matter protests? Or what about Bernie's bloody hands when one of his supporters tried to mow down and shoot down Republican, representatives on a softball field or how about joe biden's new executive order not only lifting restrictions of abortions here in america but also reinstating the funds that we send out of our country to pay for other countries abortions i'm sorry who's got the blood on their hands
1: exactly well amanda we always appreciate your reports as well and thanks for being with us from there on the left coast somehow you managed to hold your head high and survive it i don't know how (laughs)
3: Thank you, Dr. Gina.
1: All right, coming up, the GameStop saga continues, and we break down the dirty deals that are happening there, so don't miss it. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming up. Stick around.
3: Delve into the shadows of
2: the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. And welcome back to that computer
1: prime Time. Now, this GameStop saga we keep hearing about, it's still in the headlines today. And that tells you it's a big story, even though the White House doesn't want to talk about it. Daily Mail reports that GameStop shares were up 113% today. And now that the folks that run Robinhood app were kind enough to allow we little folks to start buying the stock again, uh, we're going to keep talking about it, too. Here to discuss financial advisor Bob Rubin back with us tonight. Bob, thank you so much for coming back.
6: My pleasure.
1: Bob, how can a trading app like Robinhood, I think this is what people really want to understand, um, it feels a lot like when big tech just decides to have a purge and takes people off of Twitter or removes followers. You know, I've lost more than 100,000 followers on Twitter, um, hundreds of thousands across all of my platforms. And, and, and I think we feel like, you know, when big tech does this to us, that it's just, um, it's just accepted. And now we feel like it's going into the financial sector. Um, so how can they stop people from just trading?
6: Well, unfortunately, they can. They actually today, uh, as of 345, Robinhood announced that they have put trading restrictions on 50 different stocks. I, I don't know how they can do it, but I, I think in this post-Trump presidency, uh, the attempted sabotage of the trading platforms is part of the trend of the collapse of the American institutions. Um, I think during Trump, we thought that our nation was kind of like about free speech and free markets and that Donald Trump would help with that. But now we see from the actions of the large institutions and from the complicity and action of the of the Biden administration, they're going after the little guy. And they're doing this by shutting down the trading platforms like Robin Hood with Weeple, Financial, E-Trade, uh, Interactive Brokers. And it's clear that they're attacking the free market system, just like just like they attacked the election system.
1: So where does that leave, folks? I mean, are there a lot of other apps out there like them that offer the same kinds of services? Or can you hire just a private stockbroker, even if you're a, a small-time trader?
6: Well, there are other companies out there. They went after some of the bigger ones, but you can obviously still trade on Fidelity. You can trade on Schwab. There's other other companies that you can trade on. Um, you know, it's kind of ironic, really, that the big brokers like, you know, Fidelity and Schwab, which eliminated stock commissions so that which kind of started this whole process of democratizing the investing world by reducing the cost of commissions to basically you know for the little guy to basically zero. And they all thought it was free, but it really wasn't. But at the same time yeah. all this online investing forums like Reddit's was the Wall Street Bets and others, they grew from a few thousand people to, to millions. And I guess you add that to the internet reducing the cost of the quality of information, you know, getting investing information. And it basically allowed people to trade and profit from it. Well, I guess that was all good as long as people behaved themselves. The little guy he couldn't do that. And you know, he came along GameStop and BlackBerry and AMC and and now they're trading silver. It caused such a short squeeze that it allows the little guys to go after the hedges and win. Well, I guess that's when the investing oligarchs said, No more of this bad behavior, don't do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, they said they said to us, who are we you allowed to you know, we have this rigged game that will allow you to play, and you can win every once in a while. But other than that, you have to just be in your place and and, and lose the money. So, yeah, they they can go to Fidelity and Schwab, um, but they have definitely made it harder, and they've they've really made it difficult for the for little guy, which had access to all this information when he actually was winning, to really to really slam down and and, and do something about it. And you know,
1: I, very frustrating. I, yeah. I want to move on because I want I want to talk for a moment about you know the cause because the cause is just as important as the effect. Uh, Janet Yellen, Biden's Treasury Secretary, has a bizarre entanglement here, which is almost predictable. She gave quote unquote speeches to the company that bailed out the hedge fund that lost millions by betting against GameStop. So how can we trust someone like her to run then the Treasury Department?
6: You know, the fact that Treasury Secretary Yellen, who, as you stated, received almost $800,000 of speaking fees from Citadel, um, and that the Biden administration has not commented as what's going on, despite being asked multiple po- times by their own mainstream media, I-, I think that just shines a bright light on the hypocrisy and inherent conflicts are in Washington. And it just makes it harder for the little guy to do something about it. And, you know, frankly... Um, Gina, I don't think that the hypocrisy stops in Washington. Even Robin Hood, the supposed saver of the little guy, is also full of it. I mean, Robin Hood's CEO appeared on CNBC, BBC, and CNN, and he says they have no liquidity problem. They have plenty of money. All this is going to be okay. And two hours later, he raises $1 billion from all these same hedge funds. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's conflict and hypocrisy in Washington and on Wall Street.
1: Yeah. Well, it really is frustrating for, you know, for the for the person who's just trying to, you know, most people that, you know, engage in the stock market that, that this affects are the kind of people who have, you know, other jobs outside of their stock investments Correct. and are, you know, this is something they do casually. They're not completely informed on every single, you know, budge of the market. And um, so there's a lot of study to do. And so they they count on, you know, these apps are easy. They draw you in, I can tell you. They they give you free stocks when you refer people. I know this then, instead of just handing you the free stock, they do this little bingo looking scratch off game that lures you in and makes you feel like you, you might win big, you know, when you really usually get, you know, a dollar or two in stocks, you know, but, um, so, so so, this is the kind of games they play and they're very flashy and, you know, people, that's very appealing, especially to the younger generation and whatever, where, you know, those of us who've been investing a long time might go through a more established, um, you know, group, like you mentioned Schwab or some of the others earlier, but they're not as flashy and I don't even know, I guess they probably have apps, but I, I can absolutely almost guarantee their apps don't look like like the Robin Hood app looks, it's fun to use, it's flashy, it has games, it has all that stuff. And so you just wonder what's gonna happen. Do you think that the private sector is going to come in, because so far with with big tech anyway, they've struggled to find, and we, even when they did find answers to other social media, they just immediately tear them down. So do you think that the private sector will come up with answers that look and feel um, fun to trade on like Robin Hood, um, for those for that Robin Hood style, you know, almost social media style day trader.
6: Well, I mean I actually downloaded the Robin Hood app last weekend to to look at what this was all about and I was actually quite shocked that it was so game like Vegas like. I mean, mm-hmm. like online um, betting almost like. It was like yeah. this is this is crazy. And you know, um, my my we're a Schwab shop, so we, we do everything through Charles Schwab. And, you know, I have the app. I have the, the Charles Schwab app on my phone, and it's full of good information. It makes it very easy for you. Um, it's not fun, but, I mean, I want to <laughs> make money. You know, th- this is this is about making money, right? And, and Bob, yeah, forgive me,
1: and I don't mean to interrupt you. I, I want to go back to that because I, I really want consumers to understand because this is for real people. I'm not, I don't necessarily mean fun. I, I'm really more talking about user friendly. You know, if you if you're right. on Twitter every day and you're on Instagram, some of these habits you have of using your phone, and I'm one of these people, it right. just comes naturally. Um, and 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 I, I have investments with Schwab too, and I go on to the Schwab site, and it's it's harder for me to use it. I'm not going to lie. Than than for example the Robinhood app. So my question is, yeah. do you think that they will update some of these the other companies? to try to attract some of that audience? That's my question.
6: You know, they, they probably will. I mean, that's a really good question. And and it, it's a difficult answer, because on one hand, you want to say, hey, they probably will do that, and, and maybe they should do it, because you want to attract a younger, younger audience to trading and learn what, what stocks are about, and mutual funds, right. and exchange-traded funds, and all the things that people should know about, because it's such a, that, that brings up the whole issue of financial literacy, or the lack of financial literacy that they learn in the current education system. but. On the other side of that that question, or the other side of the answer, is that should it really be made that easy that you can just so easily that they're sucking you into to press that button to buy that one stock, when you really should take them five more minutes and really think about it, does this really make sense? Yes, I realize Schwab could sometimes be a little bit more difficult to use, and, and, and compared to a lot of them, it's actually quite much easier than a lot of them that are out there. But you should still take that time to look at the information to make sure that the the P ratio and all the different things that you should know about. I'm not going to throw all those terms out there, but that it's a good stock and it has good prospects to go up in value. I mean, the reality is is that that when you take a stock like GameStop, GameStop, which today went up a hundred and thirty-one dollars and forty cents when yeah. it was a a six dollar stock two weeks ago, I mean. You know, we talked about it yesterday. You got to just stay away from stuff like that. Yet, on the other hand, people are making you know millions so of volatile. dollars on it. But yeah, yeah. that's a but lot. But it of can volatility. be so
1: volatile. You're right, and people do need to research and and get advice on that kind of stuff. And that's that's very sound advice. You know, almost sound like you do this for a living, Bob Rubin. Thank you so much for being with us. We're out of time, but we appreciate you being with us again. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, Nancy Pelosi says the Capitol is not her safe space. I'm going to talk to Congressman Louie Gohmert about that up next. for Dr. Gene. Primetime coming at you.
3: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. We're so glad you're with us. We know you have lots of options out there, and our audience has grown like crazy. And I know that's because you tell your friends, and thank you for that. Speaker Nancy Pelosi says members of Congress, they don't feel safe. But she wasn't talking about potential danger coming from outside the Capitol watch.
6: I do believe, and I have said this all along, that we will probably need a supplemental uh, for uh, more security for members when the enemy is within the House of Representatives, a, a, a threat that members are concerned about in addition to what is happening outside.
1: Was she talking about my next guest? Well, I don't know, but here he is, one of my favorites, Congressman Louis Gohmert. Welcome to the show. Congressman, was Speaker Pelosi talking about you, the enemy within the House of Representatives?
7: it's hard to know but uh, yes she has said before that we are enemies of the state so she's used the enemies term previously uh sounds a whole lot like uh the big brother government that orwell wrote about uh, that the enemies were the people and uh, the only safe people were that tiny little part at the top that were the ruling class so anyway it it is interesting though gina um Now, I had just gone in the cloakroom off the House floor before they announced the breach and told everybody to hunker down and get under their chairs. Uh, But the speaker, as I understand it, was whisked away by her private uh, or Capitol Police detail. And uh, anyway, so she had all these people armed that took care of her and then left all these members of Congress on the House floor. And as she's apparently speaking, she wants all the members on the House floor to be completely defenseless. Uh, Only she and uh, the Republican elected leaders will be safe. They have their own security detail, but the rest of the members of Congress, she wants us to be completely helpless. It's rather interesting thing to, to be hearing her say.
1: You know, my husband served, you know, uh, in Missouri, and I, 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 you know, you have to interact with these folks, and I'm just curious on a personal level, is she cordial to you? Uh,
7: She can nod and smile and say hello, and that's about the extent of it, but you learn more about what she thinks uh, in those times where she's talking about us, and that's uh, when we find out more of what she really thinks. She thinks we are the enemy and we're not the enemy of course it was Sam Rayburn that told a freshman who said you know the enemy on the other side and he said no the enemy is not on the other side down there at the end of the hall the senate that's the enemy uh so that was a she's taking a different approach from her fellow democrat Sam Rayburn but it is dangerous when we're supposed to work together to create answers to our problems and she sees those who oppose her taking us into a socialistic big nanny state where she gets to dictate what everybody does. I mean, this it is so Orwellian, it is so dangerous, and I bring up Orwell, I reread 1984 in the last couple of weeks, and oh. it's extraordinary how well he nailed things that were coming uh, back in 1946, 47, when he was writing it.
1: it. It is absolutely terrifying. I know my kids are all rereading all of that, at Animal Farm and the like, and it's just positively yeah. terrifying even answering their questions. You know, Democrats with this slim majority, um, I guess my question is, you know, the Biden strategy is to govern through the use of executive order, basically by fiat. I've never seen anything like the moment I literally just swallowed a bug, you know, did the whole, (gasps) when I saw the stack of uh, Biden executive orders. Are Hmm. Democrats, you know, are they going to be able to pass enough to completely negate everything that was accomplished over the last four years? What's your projection?
7: Well, it looks like uh, what, What Biden does not accomplish with executive order in putting people out of work and putting them totally helpless except for whatever the government uh, doles out to them, uh, they will likely be able to pass in the House and Senate, uh, especially if they do things through the Uh, reconciliation and include them in the budget where they don't even have to get rid of the filibuster. They can do it with 50, 51% of the vote
1: terrifying. And then you have the Republicans. Yeah, the rhinos who have aligned themselves with Pelosi, like Liz Cheney, for example, your colleague there in the House. Congressman Matt Gates from here in Florida made a little news this week when he went out to Wyoming to hold an anti-Liz Cheney rally in her home state. and We had that on the show yesterday. Um, Does Liz Cheney think that her alignment with the Democrats is a winning issue in Wyoming? I'm trying to figure out where these people get an idea that it's a good thing to basically be a Democrat Republican clothing?
7: Well, it doesn't sound like uh, from what we're hearing out of Wyoming that she's reflecting their will and their way for their representative to to act and vote. But um, I guess we have to find out who it is that is encouraging her to go after fellow Republicans and. Uh, not necessarily represent what Wyoming uh, voters are asking for. We've seen that by what, uh, what's been done in Wyoming, uh, censure of her from there. But, uh, you know, we, we learn from scripture that those that live by the sword may well die by it. Uh, she has been very vicious to other Republicans Uh, and it may just be that those Republicans she's supposed to represent uh, may end up uh, feeling the same way about her. So it's dangerous, and it's so unfair. Some of the things, some of the positions she's taken, um, I I, I don't know. I've had trouble understanding where she was coming from on a number of issues. But, uh, yeah, Matt was up in Wyoming, and he was preaching loudly and clearly, and seemed to hit a a chord there with the voters in Wyoming.
1: Sounds like it. All right, last question. Quickly, Congressman, can't keep you for too long because I know you're such a busy, hard worker for your constituents. Uh, GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy was down here in my neck of the woods. My husband actually even saw him yesterday at Mar-a-Lago. He had a meeting with Trump to uh, strategize about winning future elections. And I think that was a good move because I don't see many Republicans winning any time in the future without the endorsement of one certain boss. That is the Donald Trump. Do you?
7: No, I don't. And, uh, I'm glad to see Kevin do that. It looks like he's learned a lot from, uh, just the last couple of weeks when he was down on the house floor saying basically that president Trump needed to take ownership for the wrongdoing he did, uh, in, in helping incite the violence. Some of us were very upset with Kevin's remarks and, uh, if I understood correctly, he was encouraging censure and not uh, impeachment, but the president should not have been censured and he should not have been impeached. Uh, He didn't incite any violence. Anybody that tracks the timeline knows you could not have heard the president's speech and been down to uh, go into the Capitol and breach the Capitol. And then we've been finding out that the actual entry to the Capitol was planned well in advance and certainly was not inspired by words from the president. He has not encouraged violence. And if you just go back four years, the Democrats haven't changed their strategy very much. If You remember um, one of the Democratic leaders was caught on tape uh, taking credit for paying people to stir up violence at the campaign events of Donald Trump when he was running in 2016. So, and I'm not saying this was caused by them paying people to start violence. We know there were some people from the left that were involved. I mean, John Sullivan is certainly not a Trump fan. It was filmed there, but, um, they, anybody that engaged in violence that breached the Capitol, uh, they committed a crime and should be held accountable. Uh, Some just seem to have wandered in uh, and were not uh, kept out. But other places, people were, Capitol Police were working to keep people out. And anybody that disobeyed that needs to be uh, addressed and, and have appropriate punishment. But as far as Kevin, I'm glad to see that he's come back around to realizing it's time to stop firing at the president. And yeah. realize that he's good for the party, he's good for the country. You may not like the way he talks or, or tweets, which he's Yeah, not but doing there's anything. about well, there's about eighty much.
1: million people out there who who love that guy right. and they're not going yep. anywhere. So yep. Yes. Well, and an awful I'll, lot of I'll, those folks love you too, Louie. So thank you so much, Congressman, good. for being with us yeah, tonight.
7: good to talk to you. Thanks so much, Dr. Dina.
1: All right. And uh, here with all the world, all the crazy things going on in the world of politics, one of the smartest political minds I know, and the man behind the 2016 campaign, that is uh, Corey Lewandowski. Corey, good to see you.
0: Bridget Loudon, how are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, Corey, you heard my conversation with the congressman about the latest comments from Nancy Pelosi. The rhetoric being ratcheted up and conservatives are used to being called racist, homophobic, sexist, bigots. I don't know. There's a whole litany of things we're all called. But now they're calling everyone on the right traitors and seditionists, calling them a threat. And now I've been saying the threat is inside the House of Representatives. Uh, Corey, this is not letting up. In fact, the more evidence that comes out saying, for example, everything that took place at the Capitol was planned long before. We had our uh, investigators just now tell me on this show here with our partners at Just the News that this has been planned since November. Um, The the more evidence that seems to come out that uh, basically says Donald Trump had nothing to do with this. He was talking about peace when he was talking about the Capitol. The more evidence that exonerates Donald Trump It seems like the more they buckle down and want to name-call and castigate his supporters as some sort of horrible people, terrorists, the worst people, traitors, terrorists, seditionists, the rest of it. Uh, Corey, where does this stop and how do we stop it?
0: Well, you know, as you know, most of the mainstream media is simply an extension of the Democratic Party. And so anything they can do to belittle or disparage, or uh, make fun of Donald Trump and the Trump supporters. They have been doing for years, so this is nothing new. You know, we heard no complaints from the media when the riots were going on in the Northwest part of our country. We heard no complaints when Black Lives Matter were throwing Molotov cocktails through police cars and and burning police substations down. As a matter of fact, some members of the mainstream media even said protests uh, don't have to be peaceful. And we've heard other members who are both elected officials and former members of the Obama administration, high-ranking cabinet officials, advocating violence against conservatives and Trump supporters. But this is nothing to see, because when Donald Trump and something happens at a conservative event, Donald Trump is the first one to blame. The truth is, just this week, uh, AOC basically accused Ted Cruz of trying to murder her. That's a very yeah. serious accusation in my world. She basically said that Ted Cruz tried to murder me. Now, if you were to level that criticism or that uh, statement against an average person, you walked into a police station and said, Mr. Smith or Miss Jones tried to murder me, either they would say that's a lot of hyperbole or they would be launching a criminal investigation into it. And not anyone on the left has called her out on it. You know, this is this is the type of rhetoric which continues to divide the country, which continues to bring us further apart. And look, the truth is, Joe Biden and his administration has done nothing to bring unity together. You know, with his executive orders, he has further divided the government, further destroyed our economy, has talked a good game on paper. But when the reality comes, his executive orders have done anything but unify this country. And that's why we're so divided right now. I
1: think people want to take part. They want to have an action plan, and and, and I mean citizens. I know somebody like you is going to be involved uh, from the ground up on the next steps uh, for Donald Trump's leadership of this uh, movement. But what are you going to be doing, and how can citizens engage with you?
0: So it's a great question. Look, I've just launched an organization called Take Back Now America, and what that is is, I'm sorry, Fight Back Now America, what that is is an organization dedicated to holding people accountable. When you Fight Back Now America, what we're gonna do is we're gonna hold those 10 Republican members who voted to impeach Donald Trump and our number one target is gonna be Liz Cheney, who is in a congressional district with a plus 64 Republican advantage, meaning whoever wins that Republican primary is all but certain to become the Republican member of Congress. So our goal, which aligns directly with what Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell's goal is, is to expand the Republican majority in Washington, D.C., to hold the left accountable. But Fight Back Now America is going to be designed to not only hold the left accountable, but also the right. So people like Adam Kinzinger, who want to call for the president's removal and say that he should be impeached, his district Mm -hmm. is either going to go away in redistricting or we're going to have somebody run against him. And we're going to support those candidates, knowing that we're going to continue to have Republicans in Congress who actually support the Make America Great Again agenda. So my next priority, this priority, is finding candidates to run in those races, helping them be successful, raise money at fightbacknowamerica.com. That's our opportunity to give people a voice who wanna have a voice in Washington that feel that they can't right now.
1: Fightbacknowamerica.com. Corey Lewandowski, championing, championing we the people's cause. Corey, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. All right, coming up, Governor Cuomo, he's in hot water now that he's been busted, cooking the books on the COVID numbers. We have more of that coming up. You won't believe what he said now. Stick around, we Dr. Gina Prime time coming at you.
7: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: Now, New York's Emmy-winning Governor Cuomo <laughs> has been, I'm sorry, I can't say this. You can't expect me to say that with a straight face. He's been busted cooking the books, and, and maybe that's part of why he won the Emmy. Uh, on these COVID numbers, you know, if you can lie well, somebody says that's the trick to acting. I'm just saying. The headline over Just the News is this. New York AG report Cuomo administration has severely undercounted. The COVID deaths in nursing homes. And we know what he thinks of politicians who have terrible COVID numbers because he told us. Watch. Uh,
8: incompetent government kills people. Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth.
1: But now that he's been busted by the New York Attorney General, who also happens to be a Democrat, he's singing a different tune. Watch this.
8: I believe everybody did the best they could. I believe the federal government, CDC, I believe they gave the best guidance they could. I believe they give the best guidance they can today.
1: Really, because that's not what I heard you say about President Donald Trump. Mr. Cuomo. But here to us discuss with us now two of my faves, the host of SmackDown with Daryl Scott. And we also uh, can't have a get together like this on a Friday night without inviting another of my faves, Bruce Lavelle. Um, I'm going to start with you, Pastor Scott. I hope you're going to smack down Governor Cuomo on this one. Go ahead.
8: Hey, you're tipping my hand. You're tipping my hand because I sure enough had him as the leading candidate i mean out of several candidates he was the leading one you know what else he said uh dr gina he said well listen it doesn't matter where they die they were gonna die anyway how Whoa. dumb is Goodness. that how how callous yeah. and cold and unfeeling <clears throat> oftentimes you know where a person died is a is the next logical sequence of questions when you see how someone died you know my mother passed but fortunately she was able to pass at home surrounded by Loved ones, and so for him to say it's insignificant where they died anyway—they they were just going to die anyway, so where they died doesn't matter. You know, I wonder if Fredo is going what cleanup Mo Fredo is going to going to do on this one, or are they even going to yeah, talk about it over on uh, on on Fredo News Network?
1: <laughs> yeah, how careless and heartless! And then you think of those—you know—all the press conferences and all the attention they've drawn to themselves. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about this too. I'm so sorry we're on such limited time, so talk fast. <laughs>
9: well, <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Listen, you know, I was always questioning about who died of COVID, who didn't, because, you know, I was always wondering, like, oh, well, the man was, was run over by a bus, he died of COVID, or a man fell off his ladder and he died of COVID. So I was always wondering what was really yeah. the real numbers anyway. But the, the biggest travesty, Dr. G here, most of all, and the viewers, is the fact that we've had people dying and he had a chance to really embrace a strong administration, a very strong president that sent out the biggest ship, bigger than the love boat over there as the largest mobile hospital mobilized in the history of the United States. I mean, it was the ventilators that were just, you know, produced in record numbers, which took a very business minded, private industry type person to understand how to move that fast. There were so many great achievements that the president and the Trump administration was pushing to help uh, the governor and to help the city of New York. And they were always trying to find fault. And now here they are, because listen, this is what I always said. God don't like ugly. And this is ugly. And all these things that they cheated and lied and stole and manipulated, and as they say, cooked the books, or in this case, microwaved the books, that all these things are coming to light. And this good is sad, because I think a lot of people lost their lives if they would have really stepped up and embraced all hands on deck, Republican, Democrat, President Trump, whoever, we could have saved a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of help, and saved a lot of lives, Dr. G. And that's the biggest travesty for me out of this.
1: It is, it is. A thanks to both of you. Super quick, Pastor, like literally 10 seconds. What have you got for us on SmackDown this weekend?
9: Oh, we're going
8: to have a great time. As usual, we're going to be talking some serious and not so serious smack. We're going to try to cover the week's events. The SmackDown is almost like a recap weekly uh, and I try to look at it from a different perspective. And you already tipped my hand. I'm going to smack the crap out of Cuomo tomorrow. No sure the mall, all right. I'm going to smack his butt around the
3: He's going get it. Saturday night,
1: 7 p.m. Bruce Lavelle, Darrell Scott, thanks for joining me. And thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B. Up next, Damon and the crew, hug your children, love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.